Hey friends, I'm Denise Walker, and this is Detox Podcast, Episode 6, Band-Aids. I feel everything. It was my choice, but it still rips and shreds my insides. I sent the cure away, and now I see things for what they really are. I see everything. The barbed wire and the lies. The fake mentality, the tricks, the cycles. How none of that was the real me. But when it's stripped away, what will be left? Was my laugh real? Were my jokes? Am I funny? I've spent seven days inside of myself, looking out, falling deeper in. What falsities did I weave to stay hidden? Who am I, really? Every part that's torn away, like band-aids made of thorns. Is it cleansing me or leaving me whole and worn? Fucking worst part is I can make it stop. I can, in an instant. I crave that mask, that anesthetic. But if I can just bear it a little while longer, I'll be free. I'll be real and happy and able to deal. At least I think that's what they told me. Sobriety is not a choice to be taken lightly. It is a hard road. I wrote this when I was just starting to get some distance between the new me and drinking me. I was starting to wake up from the liquor-induced fantasy I'd been living in, and what I woke up to was jarring. I could feel everything. Everything I had intentionally and unintentionally numbed away was bubbling up to the surface. I was never an anxious person. I didn't suffer from anxiety. Except, since getting sober, I've had a lot of it. It makes me wonder if I did indeed have anxiety this whole time, and I was just drowning it sufficiently to only feel it in the mornings after when I chalked it up to part of my hangover. There were days I couldn't leave my house. I sat raw, emotionally naked on my couch, trying so hard to convince myself that going down the elevator to retrieve my parking pass from the building manager wasn't the scariest thing in the world. I was either hungover or still drunk from the night before and riddled with shame and guilt. I stayed on the couch, willing for my life to change, to feel better, to feel sober, begging for relief until my boyfriend got home from work. Then I would pretend to be fine and start drinking again. Round and round I went. And I never did get that parking pass. I later pretended I had lost it and requested a replacement. Not really sure they believed me. Once I removed alcohol from my daily routine, the shame and the guilt subsided, but the anxiety remained. It came in waves. And never for any particular reason. I just needed to ride it out. Not every sober reveal was bad, though. For years, I had also been obliterating my natural rhythms and cycles. My sleep was so messed up, and I was checked out to the idea that I had any natural changes in mood. I was either dead to the world, hiding and trying desperately to fake emotional stability, or reactive and irritable because I was either drunk or in pain because I wasn't drunk. At first, the cycles in sobriety were difficult. Post-acute withdrawal syndrome, or pause, was in full swing and affected me noticeably for the first four months of sobriety. I'll talk more about pause later in episode 56, you know, just a few more to go. <laughs> After those four months, I started noticing patterns in my mood and energy. After listening to a home podcast episode featuring Kate Northrup, I began to pay attention to them, Track them in conjunction to my menstrual cycle. We all have a natural ebb and flow, regardless if you have a uterus or not. If we pay attention to it, we can start to work with it instead of in conflict with it. We can know when we have lots of energy to complete projects or start new things. We can know when we need some downtime to recuperate. We can predict our moods and benefit from knowing ourselves intimately instead of using all of our frayed brain power to predict if we'll hold out tonight or if we'll drink again. How could I pay attention to these emotional nuances before? Every day I was consumed with a battle of will I or won't I drink. Maybe I can have one. 
that thought there was the first sign I had lost. After one, the battle worsened and became more exhausting. The addiction had been activated, and to convince myself to stop would be impossible, but I would try anyway. That's where my brain power went every day. A fight that I lost every single time. Sobriety freed me of that war and entered me into another. Whatever anxiety or fear surfaced, I could not drink. I would not drink. In many ways, this is the same conflict. It is incredibly mentally draining. All effort is going towards staying sober. But the more I refrained, the more I woke up. The more perspective I gained, the more of an advantage I had against the addiction. Band-Aids was written, admit, I can't say that word, uh, Band-Aids was written during a period of intense confusion. I didn't know who I was anymore without alcohol. My identity before was easy. I loved alcohol. I knew so much about it. I was a wine snob. I organized a wine club. I had a membership to my favorite winery. My favorite activity was a winery or brewery tour. Need a wine suggestion? I was your girl. I went on vacation specifically to drink, to try new alcohol. I avoided dry events. I talked about alcohol all the time. I lit up when others talked about it. I was passionate about alcohol. I defended it. I fought for it. Little did I know alcohol was just manipulating me. How my addiction went unnoticed seems insane to me now. All the things I listed. Societally are deemed normal and fun. Things that make life better. But they are not. I was terrified to make sober jokes. Especially to my boyfriend's friends. What if my humor was based in my intoxication? I was scared my sobriety would drive a wedge between us and our ability to connect. And worse, would I find them funny? Was their humor only based in my intoxication? What if my own friends? Would anyone like this new me? It was completely different. None of the things I liked were the same. I could see just how fake all my interests were. None of them were the real me, just a persona that had taken over. Sorting through what was real of the last five years was incredibly trying. I couldn't see concretely what the differences were. I could see the lies I told, which had previously seemed like truths. I could see how I manipulated others because I was being manipulated. I was always the one to suggest opening another bottle. I planned outings at events so I would never have to be far from an alcohol source. I pressured my sister into drinking when she was only 14 or 15. I made her waste her time waiting for me in lines for alcohol, when all she wanted was a non-alcoholic drink, which she finished way before I even got mine. I wasted a lot of people's time and energy. I pressured a lot of people. I pressured my mom. It was a history of breast cancer. Alcohol is a major carcinogen and contributing factor to breast cancer. Yeah, it's super bad for you. They don't tell you that. There's so many articles out there that push drinking and, oh, you know, one glass of wine is just like going to the gym. Like, false. It is bad for you. Even a little bit. Bad. I entered into sobriety with the violence of ripping off an industrial strength band-aid like a full-body wax strip that took chunks of skin with it. All these things I had done to get my fix were free to come to the surface. I had ripped off the band-aid and was left with a bare, hairless existence. I had to navigate the open wounds to uncover the layers beneath. I was worried that, like the non-selective numbing, my rebuilding of myself would be non-selective as well. I was worried that I'd lost vital parts of myself along the way. How could I be so fake for so long and not become the facade? How could I recover the forgotten pieces? Was I actually that deceitful, or was it the addiction? How much could I blame on it? I spent week-long stretches of time wondering these things, afraid to move or speak as if it could reveal traits I'd hoped to leave behind or never discover. 
I would think myself in circles and fall deeper into the rabbit hole of the unknown. My silence was also a band-aid, another way to avoid reality for just a moment longer. I wrote this at the end of one of those stretches. I was frustrated and afraid. I felt as if in free fall, and all I wanted to do was hide behind that boozy mask I'd worn for so long. I was comfortable there. I knew it so well. But the thing is, it's not worth feeling comfortable. The sacrifice for comfort is too great, and to be honest, the feeling of comfort is a lie, too. I was so unhappy behind that mask. I knew that if I were to hold off, pack that mask away for a little while longer, I could suss out who I really was. I could gain enough distance to tell the difference between my addict persona and the real me. I am not manipulative, and I am funny. People like me a whole lot more because I am real. I have made some incredible friends over the past year who I never would have attracted into my life if I was still drinking. If you feel lost and groundless like I did, know that things are falling into place. The more you stay with it and learn the nuances, the closer you will be to your true self. You can rebuild yourself at any time, and you can choose which pieces you keep and which to fall away. I feel everything. It was my choice, but it still rips and shreds my insides. I sent the cure away, and now I see things for what they really are. I see everything. The barbed wire and the lies, the fake mentality, the tricks, the cycles. How none of that was the real me. But when it's stripped away, what will be left? Is my laugh real? Or my jokes? Am I funny? I've spent seven days inside of myself looking out, falling deeper in. What falsities did I weave to stay hidden? Who am I, really? Every part of me that's torn away, like band-aids made of thorns. Is it cleansing me or leaving me whole and worn? The fucking worst part is I can make it stop. I can in an instant crave that mask, that anesthetic. But if I can just bear it a little while longer, I'll be free, I'll be real and happy and able to deal. At least I think that's what they told me.